keep it simple. Ah. Are you ready, baby? Is this thing on? I think so. James? Who's James? Well, I'm being formal. Jimmy. Oh. Yeah. Well. We, we shouldn't look. Just, can we put up a blackout shade <laughs> up in that booth? Get your hands out of your pants. That might be a good idea. Oh, my God. Hi, everybody. This is Counting Worms, the podcast, not the movie, and not the book on tape. Well, but coming to a theater near you soon. Or direct-to-video. Yes. Well, yeah, in today's world. Today's world, yeah. Yes. COVID. So how are you doing, honey? Oh, I'm doing well. You look great. Is that a new sweatshirt? It is. Mine, too. It is, yeah. So I'm Sarah. Oh, I'm Scott. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Sarah's assistant, Scott. Yes. <laughs> and we do this crazy show from our studio slash dining room, and um, we have fun, and I hope you guys have fun, too. Thanks for coming yeah. back. It's a lot of fun, because we discuss things about, like, people dying. Yeah, that's always a And that's a, that's a hoot. Hoot and a holler. Hoot and a holler. So, yeah, a lot going on out there in the world, but we're going to forget about all room. that. In the dining room, it's just murder and death. Uh, and uh, in good times. And good, good times. times. In good times. That's right. Yeah. All the good things in life. Now, baby, you know I do not throw out the word hate very often, <laughs> do I? Yeah, we, we don't really allow that word in our house. No. Uh, but I'm afraid I do have to bust it out a little bit. And it's it has to do with a city in these beautiful United States Yikes. that I have to call out. Yeah. It's a place that I don't ever want to visit. Never been there. Wow. I don't ever want to visit, and it will forever be on my city shit list. Really? Yep. You know what that city is? No. East Lake Stevens in Washington. <laughs> it's a terrible, horrible place. East Lake Stevens. East Lake Stevens. That's right. There's I, not a single I, listener in that godforsaken town. Now, well, on the other hand... Okay. West Lake Stevens. Uh-huh. West Lake Stevens. That place kicks ass. <laughs> we, okay. <laughs> That's a totally different Totally story. different scenario. That's right. Okay. Gorgeous town. We love West Stevens. West Lake Stevens. West Lake Stevens. <laughs> okay. We'll uh, have to... I had to get we'll, that off my chest. Okay. Well, we will keep that in mind. So today is a sode-sode. A sode-sode. It's yes. It's not a theme sode that's right. So what does that mean to the general public? That means that I have a story that's going to kick ass. Yes. And your story will be... Probably filler. total crap. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody can just listen to yours and then just turn it off or just zone out while they finish their drive into work. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I'm sure yours is going to be good. I mean, it's at least worth uh, hanging in there till the end. Well, mine is probably... For the sign-off, mine probably. Mine is probably going to be... You know, better because I do have a brief dramatic reenactment from the Death Squad players. Today. Oh, well, you do like to do dramatic reenactments. And you are going to be part of it. Oh, you good. You don't even need a script. You're just going to have to Perfect. improv, okay? Okay, I'll do it. Uh, interestingly enough, I have a couple uh, points at which I ask you to improv and I don't give you a script either. Wow, what are yeah. the odds? <laughs> Apparently 100%. <laughs> yeah, very good odds just this one time. All right. But, so. so there's a there's a little thing we do, though, before we do our stories. There is. Well, Don't you dare. Don't. Don't do it. I'm going to hit you with the stick. Oh, no, no, no. Ah. 
Baby. Stop it. Come on, Don't man. tell me what to do. All right, go. <laughs> oh. I mean it. Don't Come tell on, me what to baby. do. Okay. I got a brand new beating stick from Don't one of go. our fabulous listeners. Don't so. go. In Worm News today, yeah. I have a big story. Oh, cool. This is big. This right. is this is very important. It's an important story. It's about bioterrorism, yeah. security breaches, and countries uniting as one wow. to stop and eliminate national security threats. Wow. I told you this is big. Unity. This is bigger than worms. Okay. It's pigeons. Oh, really? Yes. What? What yes. do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so on December 26th, a bird was found in a Melbourne backyard. Melbourne, Florida or Melbourne, Australia? Australia. Okay. Hello, Australia. Yeah. It doesn't sound like big news, but it was mm-hmm. because this bird was a pigeon that Australia declared a biosecurity risk. What? Because based on the band it was wearing on its leg, it had snuck into the country and was actually a racing pigeon that had left the United States from Oregon 8,000 miles away, or 13,000 kilometers, two months earlier. And this sneaky little bioterrorist was determined to be a disease threat and sentenced to die. No. Mm hmm. Australia, for those of you who don't know, take quarantine of animals extremely serious. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, being an island, you kind of have to. But not so fast, Australia. Enter our story's hero, Dion Roberts, sport development manager for Whatever the Oklahoma-based American Racing Pigeon Union. <laughs> okay. Who said, that band is a fake, and it belongs to a blue bar pigeon who was still in the United States... And so they did not need to kill the innocent bird. Uh, yeah. What? <laughs> okay. That, so somebody swapped the rings, the band? No, so somebody put a band on that pigeon claiming it was a pigeon that it was not. It in wasn't other even words, a pigeon. It, in other words, it was showing a fake ID. Oh, okay. Australia's Agriculture Department, which is responsible for biosecurity, took possession of the pigeon named Joe. After our new U.S. President, Joe Biden, Mm -hmm. and conducted an exhausting investigation. After all, acting Australian Prime Minister Michael McCormick had earlier said that there would be no mercy if the pigeon was from the (sighs) United States. Quote, if Joe has come in a way that has not met our strict biosecurity measures... Then bad luck, Joe, either fly home or face the consequences. Wow, they're not fucking around. No, 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 no. Martin Foley, health minister for Victoria, the state where Joe is living, had called for the Australian government to spare the bioterrorist pigeon, even if it posed a disease risk. Quote, I would urge the Commonwealth's quarantine officials to show a bit of compassion. Andy Medic, a Victorian lawmaker for the Minor Animal Justice Party, called for a pigeon pardon for Joe. 
Oh, good. Quote, should the federal government allow Joe to live, I'm happy to seek assurances that he is not a flight risk. Medic assured. (laughs) He's a stitch. But thankfully, just last week, as we swore in our own Joe, the investigation was able to prove that our Oklahoma hero, Dion, was correct, and the band was deemed a fraud. So Melbourne resident Kevin Sully Bird, who found the emaciated bird in his very own backyard, was surprised by the change of nationality, but pleased that the bird he named Joe would not be destroyed. Now that Joe has recovered from his faintness and his near-death sentence, he's not so easy to catch. Kevin says he spends most days on the back pergola with a rather pretty native dove. Ooh, Go Joe, you cad. Mm-hmm. So security <laughs> threat avoided, bioterrorism plot extinguished, two nations coming together as one to keep peace and safety and goodwill to all. The pigeon American... And the Dove Australian. There has to be a lesson there, right? They've got to make it work. They've got to. They have to find a way. So is the theory that this pigeon actually flew from the United States? or No, the pigeon is is it was an Australian all oh, along. Oh, that somebody just clipped Somebody a, just clipped oh. a fake American band on it and caused an international incident. Ah, another prankster. Probably mm-hmm. in the range. <laughs> I mean, who else would think of something like that? In fact... Uh, in fact, Dion, the Oklahoma racing pigeon specialist, says that's not even a racing pigeon. It's just a pigeon. Oh. Just a regular old pigeon. That was very, very wormy. Yes. Thank you for sharing that yes. with me and all of our seven. So Joe Pigeon Biden it will, will, will live to uh, court another Aussie dove. Sweet. You go get him, Love. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Go and enjoy your time in Down Under. <laughs> nice. Yeah, righty. All right, so are we ready to get this party started? Let's do Not it. Not that it hasn't already been started. I mean, but. yeah, that was pretty. That's, that's about as nice as it's going to be today. Yeah. Is that, the, uh, is that Joe ran away with the dove. <laughs> well, yeah, my story is not great. I mean, it's, it's not as bad as it's been. You know, we've had some pretty mm-hmm. creepy ones. Yeah. This one's and just, by we, we mean you. That's right. And the, this one is just really about a woman who was not very nice. No. Oh. And we've uh, seen a few killed, of those. She killed some folks. So not, no, not they cool. often do. Yeah. So most women will kill you one way or another. They just usually do it, you know, more emotionally than physically. Right. That's right. Well, this one did it both ways. Oh, okay. So little Ada Crow. Mm. Ada Crow. And we have a thing going with crows right now. Oh, yeah. In our yeah. backyard. Yeah. We love we have crows. A, we have a family of crows. Too. Clever little things. That's right. We, en- we enjoy them, though. We do. I, fe- I, I feed them treats. I hide them so they have to go hopping around the backyard to find them, like That's an Easter egg hunt. Uh, so this lady's not related to those crows. That was just her last name. Oh, okay. Uh, Ada Crow. She, she was, was just pretending. Right. She well, was, she's already dishonest then, and I don't like her. Yeah. Well, You won't like her any better in in the coming minutes. She was raised in Charlotte, Tennessee. 
Mm. A lot of stories coming out of Tennessee last few days. Mm. I know. Are they making a play, a play, a play? For, for a poll position here? Are they trying to elbow trying out to, Ohio? Uh, Ohio, you better step up your game. Tennessee's making a move on you. That's true. Or Michigan, too. They better look Oh, up. yeah. You know, we haven't heard from Michigan. Florida's still solid. Florida? <laughs> yeah, Florida... Don't you're not letting anybody creep up, but Ohio and Michigan. Yeah. Mm. Tennessee's on your heels. Yeah. So she comes from very humble beginnings. Um, she was not born wealthy uh, and not patric- particularly attractive. Mm. So she had a couple of strikes against her to start. But before I picked up my story, apparently she was married two times and divorced twice before. Um, but I couldn't find any information on that. So <laughs> well, we're going to start on husband number three. Third time's the charm. Right. So she, after she divorced her second husband, she was on the hunt for number three. Now, this was back in the 70s, and this was long before the internet and Match.com and whatnot. So uh, her preferred method of meeting chaps was through Lonely Hearts ads. Something. I don't know if they still do those. I mean, maybe they do. Craigslist I think prisoners do. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So she looks through the ads and she finds somebody who says, you know, I'm looking for love, whatever. And she responds by mail. Mm -hmm. And then they start a communication, whatever. And admittedly, she was looking for someone um, with means, as they say. Yeah. She was ready for a turnaround in her life. My grandma always told uh, all of us kids, it's just as easy to marry a poor man as a rich man. That's the right. paperwork's the same. That's right. <laughs> we didn't listen. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Sorry, honey. So, oh my God. So she had been without for too long. And so she, she really wanted to get somebody that uh, had some, some bucks. So she met a guy named William Hayes. And he was an established gentleman, as they oh. say. He had some dough. So he was perfect. Oh, <laughs> Forget about all, everything yeah, else. Everything else doesn't matter. He had some dough. So the two really hit it off, apparently. Well, he had money. The only problem with William was that he was married and with children. So <sighs> Baggage. Yeah. So thankfully, the new couple found themselves very resourceful and able to think mm-hmm. outside the box. And so they came up with a very simple solution for this. She talked him into leaving his wife and children. Perfect. Yeah. So Problem solved. Yeah, so William gets... Drop that baggage and let's move on. That's right. So uh, he gets a divorce, moves on. Six months after his divorce, William Hayes married Ada. So now she's Ada Hayes. Mm. Uh, William's two teenage children, Jeanette and Johnny, they came to visit uh, the happy couple over Christmas break. And according to them, they both felt that the couple was happy and that they were actually a good match. And maybe this home-wrecking hussy wasn't uh, so bad after all, perhaps. Huh. Isn't that crazy? Now, after not too much time, William began to feel a bit under the weather. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, he wasn't feeling too snappy. Uh, his daughter, Jeanette, was very concerned. You know, her dad had always been a very healthy, vital man. And he was in his, like, mid-30s. Oh, uh, yeah. my. And his new bride explained to Jeanette, his daughter, that it was a stomach ulcer. Oh, and, right. And so she took... Could a- happen to anyone. Ada took two tablets, put them in a glass of water, and handed it to Jeanette, asking her to give it to her father, saying it would help alleviate his stomach pains. 
Hmm. Strangely enough, it didn't seem to work. That's weird. <laughs> In fact, his symptoms and his pain got worse. Huh. I know, that's crazy, huh? So over the next two years, <laughs> oh, I know, God. his health deteriorated to the point that he could no longer get around on his own power. and From a stomach ulcer. From, that is one hell of a stomach yeah, ulcer. Yeah, it's bad. No, it's bad. Um, well, oh, I'll, I'll get to that. The doctors, <laughs> the doctors who were tending to him, they, and I, I found, and I think you found too, Doctors tend to miss diagnoses sometimes when perhaps... Every once in a while. When you and I can diagnose these things, <laughs> I mean, immediately. Yeah, it's weird. It's very weird. Yeah, yeah, so they were unable... But Ada had diagnosed it herself, and it was a stomach ulcer, according yeah. to her. So now he's confined to a wheelchair. Like I say, that is one hell of a stomach yeah, ulcer. Yeah, so it was a sad sight. This man in his mid to late 30s, and now he's wheelchair bound, and he's losing weight. He's unable to hold down meals. Still, the doctors, you know, uh, they just really Terrible couldn't figure it out. Ulcer. Yeah, stomach ulcer. So, uh, those things, those things are awful. It makes me think, you know, we've said before, I think it might have been in the first episode of this podcast, that if we were airlifted and dropped right into like a cold case squad yeah. we could pick up and w hit the bricks running and we could we could get some work as consultants right so Let's i'm thinking we, we could expand our horizons and start consulting in the medical community as Abs well yes for sure we're like house like house right <laughs> so they put us on a on a, a committee and uh, run the thing yeah. by us and we'll give a, give us our shots you know i mean we we got like that story I told you about Doc Johnson. Well, I've had a dog that could have fleas and ticks <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You'll have to share that sometime. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, William, though, he had his suspicions. Yeah. Like us. He yes. thought he knew what was wrong with him. Oh. Okay. So now we're going to do our dramatic uh, reenactment. Okay. Okay. I'm going to play William. Okay. And you're going to be playing his concerned daughter. Okay. okay. So let me set the scene here. One day, Jeanette's there, the daughter. Mm -hmm. William pulls his daughter aside, and he quietly told her. Hey, Jeanette, come over here. Come over here. Yes, Daddy. Sit on Daddy's lap. Um, but I'm afraid I'll break your lap. You haven't just even been able to... Just sit down gently. Yes, but you haven't been able to walk for like two years. I know, I'm just skin and bone over here, but take it easy. Yeah, sit okay. down gently. Uh, okay. Oh. How's that? You're all grown up now, aren't you? Yeah, this is kind of awkward. All right. Now, listen. Find out why I got sick. Don't let it happen to you or anybody else, Okay. <laughs> Okay. What do you mean? I like want you to find out how I died. But you're not dead. Shh, don't talk back to your father. <laughs> you can save someone else's life. Oh, okay, so, okay, I'll do it. And see. <laughs> wow. Well, that, that was pretty awkward. It was. Yeah, he was getting a little... Yeah, it was a little... He's probably out of his mind. <laughs> it was inappropriate. At the it very was least. inappropriate. So, but pretty heavy, yeah. though, to, for him to call his daughter over and have that conversation with her. And Truly. right, he wasn't yeah. dead, obviously, but uh, he's saying... I mean, he kind of knew at that point he was on his way out. And, and after, shortly after that conversation, he did, in fact, die. Mm. So, 
Okay, I'm not going to ask you what you think is going on with William, but what I'm going to ask you now, now okay. that he's dead, what is Ada's next move? What does Ada do? Uh, that's the wife? Yes. Uh, collect life insurance. Okay, that. <laughs> but what's she going to do about William? Oh, cremate it. Okay. We've got to get rid of the body. Right. So she moved quickly to have him cremated. Yes. But his family objected. They wanted him buried. Yeah. And Jeanette, the daughter, who was a teenager at the time, had actually approached authorities and asked for an autopsy. Good which, for her. Which, under normal circumstances, that would happen anyway. For a yeah. younger guy... Well, no, not. He's been ill for two years. He's been ill ill for years and years and years. (laughs) And he's been ill for years, and his death was basically expected. He was under the care of a physician, and his wife. (laughs) And his wife. So, so for whatever reasons, the authorities kind of shrugged off Jeanette's request for an autopsy. Uh, probably just thinking it's the you know it's a little girl can't let her daddy distress little child and whatever. So. I really didn't think that was within the spouse's or anybody's purview. I thought that that was just a decision that was made by the medical examiner. Well, autopsies are expensive, first of all. So if what would have changed that is if she said, you know, here's your five grand autopsy, my dad. Yeah. But the problem is, is they're very, very expensive and they, and they, and there aren't budgets for them. And when you, when you are under the care of a physician and the physician has all of these medical records saying this guy was stomach ulcer, this guy was, was on his deathbed. Uh He was going to die. It was just a matter of time. It almost somewhat appears like a natural death. Gotcha. So, Uh, you know, yeah. You have to you have to have people that want to investigate it, and I don't I I don't know where where was this? Do you know? I think it was Oklahoma or Tennessee. Maybe no, it was Tennessee. Tennessee. That's right. Yeah. You said it was Tennessee. Yeah. Um, it depends on how big of an you know how big a town, how big of an area, what the budget is, what the budget is. Yeah, exactly. What what have what have taxpayers allotted for? for the medical examiner's office. My bet is that in that area, the medical examiner's office didn't have Small the means. Town, Tennessee. Small town, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Well, not surprisingly, Ada refused the notion of an autopsy. She didn't well, want anything to do Well, that doesn't help either. Right. So, but surprisingly, but this is surprising. Um, she did agree eventually to waive off the cremation and agreed to a burial. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. autopsy, though. No autopsy, right. but we'll, we'll, we'll skip the autopsy. Of course, that'll prove very, <laughs> very bad for her later on. <laughs> um, so after the burial, Ada somehow found the, the inner strength to push on, perhaps being in possession of her late husband's home and all of his assets and belongings yes, all of helped stuff. her forge ahead. Yes, yes. Incidentally, nothing was left to the children, by the way. Oh. She, she took over everything there. Nice. She was not one who liked to be alone. So not too long after his death, she was back on the Lonely Hearts ads. And she soon met a wealthy cattle rancher in Oklahoma. That's where oh. Oklahoma came from. Named John Wittenmeyer. Hmm. John, little Johnny Wittenmeyer. So she used her charms to wiggle her way into his heart. And a solid two weeks later, 
they were married. <laughs> Jesus, couldn't you believe these people? Oh my God! So now John. Uh, okay, so she moves into the ranch out in Oklahoma, and mm-hmm. John's son Charles lived there with Dad. And neither Charles nor other family members actually had a high level of trust for his new bride. Right. Two after, weeks. Yeah. After, after two all, weeks. she's in her early thirties, and he was fifty-nine. Which aroused Which, everybody's suspicion. Yeah, well, rightfully so, after only two weeks of knowing each other. And I think you'll agree with me that it is kind of creepy and suspect when an <laughs> older man marries a younger woman. Wouldn't you say, darling? <laughs> Wouldn't you say that's kind of oh, creepy? Oh, yeah, that's, that's weird. What, yeah. is he, what, what could they possibly have in common? Uh, probably very little. Uh, so sadly. Other than a podcast. That's Oh, baby. <laughs> You're funny. Sadly, the honeymoon didn't last very long, and soon the two were at each other. More like uh, Ada was at John. She was sassy, frankly bitchy, uh, to old John, and things were collapsing quickly. Surprising, though. After two weeks, you'd think think it'd be pretty solid. You'd think they'd really know each other. Yeah. So about this time, conveniently, Charles, the son, went on a business trip, leaving John and Ada alone at the ranch. Uh Uh-oh. So the couple sat down for a typical dinner at home when John began experiencing severe abdominal pain after eating some pea soup. I mean, maybe he's got a sudden onset ulcer, too. Well, the stress of living with her. Perhaps. And the pain just got worse and worse and worse. And surprisingly enough, Ada didn't call for medical help. Well, she thought he, you know, he wasn't that sick for that long. Instead, she kind of watched him writhe around in pain. Hmm. And apparently, she got some kind of sadistic pleasure out of watching him <laughs> in so much pain. That's kind of sick. That's kind of, yeah. And so after a while, Ada did the only thing that she could do. Go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, she got tired of his bitching. Yeah, so he's on the floor bitching about his ulcer. And she, <laughs> she hightails it out and does some shopping. Yeah. And when she comes back, you won't believe it, but John's dead. Wow. That was fast. Yeah. So having planned ahead a little bit, Ada had forged a will that basically gave everything to her and nothing to his kids. Mm, Convenient. And she took the time to forge his signature on the document before she called 911, just to make sure. Yeah. Got to make sure the ink's dry. Cross the T's and dot the I's. So... The initial encounters with police gave Ada the impression that she had been successful with her plan. Her plan. Uh, but police felt the circumstances surrounding John's death were suspicious enough that it warranted an autopsy. Oklahoma. Yeah. So during the autopsy, they, they performed my second favorite function. Examination of the stomach contents. <laughs> Do you know what my first favorite is? The classic why? No. My very favorite procedure in an autopsy. It's taking that giant needle and sticking it in the <laughs> eyeballs. And out the eyeball juice, whatever you call it. <laughs> so uh, when the, the vitreous humor. Vitreous humor, yeah. So when the pea soup in John's stomach was analyzed, it was discovered. You won't, probably won't believe this, but it had lethal levels of arsenic. I'm shocked and bewildered. And so seeing as Ada was the only other person at the ranch and that she made the pea soup and she stood to inherit the ranch and everything else, she became a person of interest. 
Strange but true. And as cops always say, we start on the inside with the closest family connections, <laughs> and then we expand we, out we work in concentric our way out. circles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Ada was a, a... And they sound just like that when they say it. Well, in Oklahoma, do they? So oh. <laughs> not one to be idle. Ada had already con- uh, connected with another wealthy man in Canada. Oh. From another loan. It was some kind of uh, agricultural... Publication. Well, she did have a ranch now. <laughs> That's true. So, <laughs> so uh, he was in Canada, and he had actually sent her over eleven hundred bucks, I guess, to pay for her airfare to get her wow. up. Wow! So before police <laughs> kind of turned the corner and thought, "Hmm, we better go talk with her a little bit further," uh, she had already made it to Canada. Unbelievable! And she spent the next couple of months shacked up with a wealthy grain farmer in the province of Alberta, Canada. So in the meantime... Now, that's a climate change, too. Really? Seriously? So in the meantime, the investigators were still pursuing this case, and they had come across uh, some info about the untimely passing of her previous husband, number three, husband Mm -hmm. number three. And they got the permission of the family, uh, probably Jeanette was involved in that, and had his body exhumed and autopsied. Well done. So it was discovered that he, too had been poisoned with arsenic. Mm-hmm. She has a thing. She does have a th- She's got a pattern. A bit an of MO. a signature. An M.O., yeah. <laughs> um, so eventually Ada was arrested in Canada uh, on a shoplifting, uh, shoplifting charge. I mean, what is wrong with this girl? Uh, in the Athabasca oh area, north oh of Edmonton. God. And they do a background check on her and find out that she's actually wanted for these two murders. So... After U.S. authorities were <laughs> notified of her incarceration up there in Canada, they contacted this grain farmer and explained to him that she, his wife, well, I, I guess they weren't married yet, but his live-in girlfriend now uh, is actually on the run from two counts of murder. And both of those murders happened to have been her previous husbands. Mm-hmm. So he politely, as Canadians are known Canadians to be, be. Uh, excused himself from the relationship. And in a British <laughs> accent, he said something like, you can have her, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's Australian. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You can have her, eh? Eh? Wait, That's what? Canadian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <We're>... <laughs> he's a world traveler, that he grain he salesman. He got his accents mixed up. Yes. So, yeah. Well, he was just so, so upset about Ada. Oh, yeah. He was in love. Yeah. Uh, and you guess you should see a picture of this gal. I don't know what all these guys are. <laughs> well, you already said. For. You already said that. Yeah, it was, she wasn't. Yeah. A, yeah, but that was that was when she was younger. Now, maybe she had gotten better looking, but apparently not. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a murderer to boot. So she's a package deal. Yeah. Really. Yeah. She comes with everything. So she was extradited back to the United States and she was convicted of the murders of both John Wittenmeyer and William Hayes and was sentenced to life in prison. And six days after her conviction, she hung herself in her cell with her bed sheets. And she did leave a few notes behind saying things like, now I have finally found peace. <laughs> and... Something like, sorry, parents, I know I screwed you over on this one. And, Mr. District Attorney, you have my blood on your hands. And I'm sure he felt terrible. I'm sure he did, too. So now she's dead, and all is right with the world. The end. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's the wrong one. (laughs) Jimmy. (laughs) Jimmy. 
Oh, yeah. thank you guys. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Right. It's so neat being in front of a live studio audience. It is. It's, it's a little yeah. weird. A little weird, a little yeah. Weird, but, uh, yeah. Mainly because of that one guy that keeps pressing his butt cheeks against the glass. <laughs> That's true. Put That's your true. mask back on, dude. Uh. <laughs> that guy's weird. Yeah. Jimmy, oh, he's your brother. Oh. Well, that makes sense yeah, then. Yeah, that makes a little more sense. Yeah. All right, baby. So tell right. me, what is... Clap your hands, everybody. And everybody just clap your hands. Next story. I love that one. That's the good one. It That's is. the keeper. That is the keeper. So t- are you going to cleanse our palate after this horrible woman? or you- um, No. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? Let's right. do it. Lay it on me. So it was a fabulous night for Bonnie and Billy. Hmm. Well, okay. So some foreshadowing here. Until it wasn't. Uh-huh. They poked somebody's eye out. Um, they whooped it up yeah. like it was 1999. Uh, uh, until uh, they acted like they were 21, basically. Sure. Okay? In the range. Yeah. You know, where you're up all night, sleep all day. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was a good time. Sure. And they didn't want it to end. Okay. The problem was, it was now the wee hours of the morning. The sun was starting to peek up over the horizon. Right. And Bonnie and Billy were not 21 years old anymore. Okay. Bonnie was now 47 years old. Oh, that's really old. And her, and her body, Billy's too, just was not as forgiving as it used to be. Sure. You know? I've heard stories like that. Yeah. I mean, we don't know anything about that. No, but I mean, we'll be there Because we're day. still 21. One day we'll But be one there. day, right. one day we'll sure. know what that's I like. I can imagine. So on the front porch of Bonnie's brother's house, at around dawn, Bonnie passed out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Billy thought nothing of it. They had drank a lot of booze. Sweet. Lots of alcohol. Lots and lots. The good old days. So he went inside and grabbed a pillow and put it under her head and wrapped a blanket around her. It, it's really not. Because, you see, he has seen her wake up mad. And he needed none of that shit. Let me tell you. Oh, okay. Okay? So then he went in and passed out cold. Okay. Just the way things went. Now, Billy could not say how long he was out. But when he stirred... He was surprised that Bonnie hadn't joined him. Joined I mean, what, in bed? uh-huh. Oh. She was still on the porch. Oh. Oh. And it was pretty cold out there. Wait a second. Is this her brother or is this No. Oh, okay. <laughs> they were at the brother's house. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I, I thought that was a little strange. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And it was pretty cold out there. And so he thought, you know, she'd get up to pee or something and come inside. Right. So he stumbled out of bed to go check on her. And this is where he was met with, can we say it together? A, a scene, scene of, of unimaginable, unimaginable horror. Oh, no. What well, happened to her? Well, eh, sort of. she eaten by wolves? No. Oh. What he found was an unresponsive Bonnie that was not recovering from her night of drinking. Okay. So Billy freaked out, totally panicked immediately called for an ambulance. Really? And notified police. Huh. Well, yeah. I mean, she's passed out on the porch. Non-responsive? Non-responsive, not waking up. Okay. And babe, can you tell me what that 911 call must have sounded like? Yeah. Hey, uh, my sister, she's not... My, my, oh, wait, she's wife? Girlfriend. Girlfriend. My girlfriend, she's not breathing. Yes. Thank you. Perfect. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, that's ex- see, yeah. I told you you'd Is be. Is that what he said? Yes. Oh. Help, help. My girlfriend, she's not breathing. Uh-huh. Um, he also <laughs> told paramedics uh, and the peop- and 911 operators that Bonnie was an asthmatic, a severe asthmatic. Okay. And she's, she's in a really weird position, and she's, not re- and she's not responsive. Okay. So upon arrival, the paramedics found that, sadly, Bonnie was off to India. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> or if you missed last week's episode, <laughs> counting worms. Yeah. Gone, finito, deceased, dead. Yeah. Sorry, Bonnie. Oh, no, Bonnie, Bonnie was gone. She sounded like a lot of fun. I know, she was. She's a party animal. Okay. Police and paramedics both noted that her face appeared red. There were no signs of violence. And she was in a really awkward position. Hmm. She was face down. Chin against her chest, forehead on the pillow, head inside the blanket. No suspicion of foul play or homicide was raised, and the death was treated as a routine natural or accidental case. A couple of photos were taken of the scene, and Bonnie was picked up for transport to the local Emmy's office. However, the top-notch armchair detectives of Counting Worms damn sure know that routine cases just do not make the cut. And so we demand that an autopsy be performed. Absolutely. So, of budgets course... Budgets be damned. Yeah, budgets be damned. So, of course, one was. So, listen closely for things you may know or learn. They may be helpful for all kinds of future episodes when you have to solve the murder mysteries all on your own. Mm. So... External exam. Bonnie was a, quote, well-nourished woman. <laughs> and here we can note that well, this was a very polite medical examiner. Okay, so she's a, she's a big girl. <laughs> big bones. Um, overall, appearances of good health, healthy teeth, no bullet holes, no stab wounds, no bizarre CSI Miami paint chips that need to be sent in for specialized testing. Right. No residue under Bonnie's fingernails, like skin from some undetermined perpetrator. Bonnie looked a little older than her 47 years, and the Emmy surmised it had to do with her apparent alcohol use. Mm -hmm. Her jewelry and clothing were still intact when brought into the Emmy's office. All right. Hair was 40 centimeters long, although... They also noted an additional lock of hair had been found inside the blanket with Bonnie that appeared consistent with her hair. There was, quote, extensive congestion of the face and upper neck with innumerable superimposed petechial hemorrhages, end quote. On the face? And upper neck. Huh, okay. A flat. Poorly defined, diffused mark was noted on the front and sides of the neck at the level of the mandibular angles. Oh, is that (laughs) by the mandula (laughs) blancata? The mandibular angles are the points of the jaw straight back from the chin at the almost 90 degree angle before your jaw heads up towards your skull. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. This mark was mostly visible only because the petechiae are only above the diffused line. The conjunctivae, or the white parts of the eye, are 
also heavily congested with petechial hemorrhages. Okay, I know where this is going. A small abrasion is on the side of the nose and on the lower gum. Now, I know all of you know this, but petechiae are pinpoint small, round spots on the surface of the skin, eyes, or other body surfaces that are caused by bleeding of teeny tiny capillaries. They usually appear in clusters and can look almost like a rash. They are, despite what you might believe, caused by a rather long list of things. For instance, the flu. Scarlet fever, mono. That's bullshit. Rocky Mountain spotted fever. <laughs> sure. Endocarditis, Ebola. Well, <laughs> any of the viral hemorrhagic fevers. Uh-huh. Drug reactions. Sure. Physical force like hard coughing, lifting weights, giving birth, or throwing up. Whatever. Diseases like leukemia or liver disease. Uh-huh. I could keep going, but I'm sure... We all know that they can and do happen even on living people. Yes. What? (laughs) (laughs) We know what happened here. Anyway, wrapping (laughs) up this internal exam, I mean external exam, shows no obvious signs of trauma, sexual assault, or injury other than what I've already noted, meaning no broken fingernails, no scratch marks, and no bruises of any kind. None. Okay. You should just see the look of disbelief I'm getting right now. Well. There's no trauma of any kind. What about this diffused flat mark across her throat? Uh, That is only visible because of the petechiae that are above it. Okay. Okay. Interior exam. Reflection of the inner aspect of the scalp showed a small subcutaneous and intradermal hemorrhage in the parieto-occipital region. That's by the hippocampus, right? (laughs) (laughs) A quick translation for your next case study. Subcutaneous means just beneath the skin surface. Intradermal means between the layers of the skin. Hemorrhage is when blood escapes from its vessel, more basically some type of bleeding. Most people think bleeding of bleeding being just outside the body, and blood can be outside its transport vessel, but within your body. I know it's a strange thought, but your blood isn't running haphazard around your body. I know it seems that way since when you get a minor cut on your finger, it bleeds. So blood must be everywhere, but it isn't. It's on super highways that are more like tubes. Some go north and south, some east and west, and none allow drunk drivers to go the wrong direction. Problems arise just like in everyday traffic when someone goes flying off the bridge or overpass, busting through the wall of the safety tube, compromising the safety of the other drivers on the highway below and the highway that idiot is on. Anyway, the parieto-occipital region, that's for the parietal region and the occipital region, it's a combination word, is towards the bottom back of your brain. So Bonnie had a small little bit of a bruise that was small and slightly deeper than skin deep. 
But now you know the words for future episodes. Yes, I do. The mucosal membranes of the mouth showed numerous scattered petechial hemorrhages. Then when the subcutaneous tissues of the face were dissected, there were no injuries present. Moving next to the dissection of the neck structures, care was taken to observe each section carefully. Within the hyoid larynx complex, Sweet. there was found to be no abnormalities. No snapping of the hyoid the bone? The hyoid bone was in place. Ooh. No hemorrhages were no- noted in the strap muscles, and there were no neck injuries present. Except some, okay. Except some flat. There were no neck injuries. Well, that screws my whole theory. Present. Up. Okay. Oh, okay. Maybe this maybe this Emmy is just not that good because it, it it's contradictory to what I'm thinking. <laughs> With the continuation of the internal exam, the finding were for the most part unremarkable. A few petechiae were present over the visceral pleura of both lungs and epicardium. However, no injury was noted at autopsy and no natural diseases were found. Toxicology was ordered and Bonnie was, as expected, found to be well over the legal drinking limit. Most states have a blood alcohol legal limit under 0.08. Bonnie's blood alcohol level was 0.18. Hello. Yep. She was well over two times the legal limit. Yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> For a professional. Do you want to guess what the ruling on Bonnie's death was? Or shall I just tell you? Well, do I get to guess? Sure. Okay. So here's, I think the Emmy's what wrong. What the ruling. I, I think the what, Emmy's wrong. What do you, you have evidence something. of? Okay, what so do here you it ha- is. What do you have? Now, you have to tell me what the evidence is. Okay. So there's a guy. <laughs> I don't know his name. Okay. But he had traveled to somewhere in Africa okay. previously. Uh-huh. He flew back to town. Okay. Wherever she is. Yes. I don't remember the, the, where that is. And he discovers he's got Ebola. Uh-huh. Ebola? Yeah. Okay. He's got Ebola. Uh-huh. And it starts it starts really fucking with his head. I mean, it's right. just, he's, he's in a bad place and he jumps in his car and he's driving wildly through the streets. And as he drives past this gal's house, he sees her on the front porch, just laying there uh-huh. in, a, in a blanket. And he calls out to her, Hey, Hey you. Oi, oi, oi. <laughs> oi, Hello. Oi, oi. Hello. Oi, oi, oi. And she's like, what? what? He says, come here, come here, come here. And so she, she, she stumbles what, out to his what car. What was that? <laughs> we don't know. So, so he rolls down the window and he says, come here, I've got to tell you something. And so she sticks her head into the window and then he rolls it up on her <laughs> head. And so just her head sticking into the car. And, and he it's gives her Ebola? This, it, and he coughs in her face. <laughs> and, but the pressure on her neck is causing the, the flat, uh, <laughs> vague... Mark on her neck and causing petechia above that, and her head's you know her face is turning red and with petechia, and then he he rolls down the window, <laughs> and then he runs off. He drives off. 
<laughs> and then she goes back to the porch. Feels cl- really crappy. She feels bad, and she climbs back into her blanket, and she goes to sleep and never does wake up. That is quite a from story. Ebola. From Ebola. Death from Ebola. Well... The beginnings of Ebola, but it was also the asphyxiation, the positional asphyxiation. From the window from being the window. rolled up That's right. on her. Okay. Was that right? And not leaving it that's it, much it? of a mark. That was it. Right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's a great, that's, that's, you nailed it. I mean, that's almost exactly what Next happened. Next case. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I think I might change your opinion of this medical examiner oh. by the end of the story. Okay, go ahead. Well, so if you're a true crime nut, you know that in a strangulation, the hyoid bone is snapped. It's a weird little thing. Typically. It is a horseshoe-shaped bone that floats almost haphazardly between your chin and thyroid cartilage that almost seems to have been put there just to catch bad guys. Mm -hmm. It barely connects to anything, so it breaks easily. In reality, it helps your tongue move and swallow. That's its main function. Huh. But really, we know what it's for. Catching assholes. Strangler, stranglers. Yeah. It catches assholes. <laughs> right. Well, in this case, Bonnie's was completely intact. Uh-huh. Completely. Okay. In fact, she did not have any injury to her neck muscles. Okay. Frankly, she did not have any injuries at all. However, she did have those telltale petechiae all over the damn place. Admittedly, they are usually caused by extreme pressure. For instance, when your body loses oxygen, like you know, from your airway being cut off. So, with the evidence we have in front of us, the medical examiner ruled a manner of death was accident, mm. with the cause of death being positional asphyxia. What did I say? Based on <laughs> how Bonnie's body was found with her chin down. So not from the window? No. The car window? Okay. And that could have been the end of the story, but it isn't. Not hardly. Oh boy. Because as we sit right now, that's all we have proof of. But the Emmy trusted their gut, and they just didn't like it. It felt wrong. No proof, but something was not adding up. So the doc refused to sign the death certificate, making the findings preliminary pending further investigation. Hello. You see, in the report, The police listed that Billy specifically stated that Bonnie had asthma, severe asthma. Remember, he even told them on the 911 call. But let's not forget the ME's findings. No natural diseases were found. The ME actually looked at her lungs, pulled them right out of her body, and dissected them. Bonnie did not have asthma. Billy lied. He flat lied. She had no natural diseases. So the Emmy decided if he made up this random lie, there could be plenty of others 
else. surrounding Bonnie's death. And so Billy needed to be interviewed, and it needed to be by the police and at their house and not Billy's. I see. So it's possible the abrasion on her nose and inside her mouth is from her position she was found in. But it is also possible she put up little fight as drunk as she is. So the Emmy told cops, Bonnie may have been assaulted. Would you see what you can find out for me? I can't sign her death certificate, and I can't release the body. The police rounded up Billy for some pointed questions back at the station, and it didn't take long. Guilt had nearly destroyed him. The two had been kicked out of their normal residence for disorderly behavior. Oh boy. And that is how they landed drunk and on the street Bonnie's brother lived on. Her, pro- her brother would probably take her, but might not take in Billy since they were fighting and so clearly drunk. They always did this, he told the police. You know, it started... So fun, flirting, and dancing the night away. Then it always went too far. They both drank too much, and they start fighting. Nobody wanted them around when they were fighting. And he would get so mad, because she always started it. (sighs) Like expected, Bonnie's brother tossed them out. He didn't want them there either said Billy couldn't stay, and he knew it. He knew it was because stuff Bonnie had said about him last time they were drinking, stuff that probably wasn't even true. When they were out front in the street, he grabbed her just because he was mad. You know, he never meant to hurt her. She was just saying she was going to go sleep in a warm bed and at her brother's house, and he could just figure it out in the cold. He just wanted her to shut up a minute. He held her head between his arm and his chest, and he wrapped her own hair around her neck. It was only like 20 or 30 seconds. He, of course, swore to that repeatedly. It was only 20 or 30 seconds. And then he let her go. But she collapsed. And that kind of made him mad because he thought she was just drunk. So he did go get her a pillow and a blanket from her brother and stuck her head on the pillow and wrapped a blanket around her. But that's when he realized something was wrong, really wrong. He never went inside and laid down because she never stirred. So he called police. Through tears, he swore he never meant to hurt her. And the police scoffed at his inability to to acknowledge You mean you never meant to kill her. The manner of death became homicide, and the cause of death was mechanical asphyxia due to compression of the neck. Bonnie was strangled by her own hair. This case became very important. We always knew that pressure to the neck is applied using a ligature, that the injuries we will see depend on a number of factors, including how long the ligature was held in place 
and the force that was used. But soft, broad objects will cause less severe injury than narrow, hard objects. It's no different than everyday injuries. If you get a smack with a fly swatter, you see a lot less damage than being hit with a golf club. I know, rough example, but it works. It comes down to diffusing the force over a larger area. But it's not just the external areas that see less damage or markings. The force of those more rigid objects like hands or rope or a telephone cord also are what damage that hyoid bone, bruise the strap muscles, or cause those obvious internal signs of strangulation. Bonnie's hair just didn't damage the internal structures, even though it prevented her from being able to breathe. In Bonnie's case, the signs of asphyxia were there, including the petechiae on the face, mucosa of the mouth, and eyes. All were clear signs of prolonged occlusion on that venous return of blood leading to cardiac arrest. The ability to determine how that asphyxia occurred was more art than science. The highly diffused line on her neck with the complete lack of injuries was consistent with the explanation by Billy, but it would have been appropriate to positional asphyxia as well. So either one would have worked. So her lack of injuries or fighting back just as easily could have been due to her strangling due to him accidentally putting her in a position that prevented her from breathing given her high level of intoxication. However, the odd lock of hair was something that the ME just could not figure out. It was noted with a star in the report. It was even sent for DNA testing. For confirmation, it was Bonnie's. The ME thought at the time was, at the very least, it was a malicious assault and the cutting of her hair while she slept. And it added to the idea for the ME that something was very wrong here, even though there was simply nothing that proved it. When in reality, it was that the hair broke from the pressure. Wow. See, I'm confused. What happened to the guy in the car? What happened to that Ebola guy? The Ebola guy? guy? He just drove away. It's a little scary to think that but for an Emmy with a strong gut, Billy may have gotten away with the perfect murder. Maybe even a little more scary to think you can actually strangle someone without leaving true evidence of it behind. But you need a very pliable victim. And why Bonnie did not fight back, we'll never know. As a side note, for those of you interested in the wheels of justice, after a preliminary hearing, Billy was charged with murder. However, the trial date was never formally set. Following the hearing, he completed suicide, ironically by hanging. By his hair? No. 
perhaps so he could suffer how he made his victim suffer. We'll never know. In short, Billy received a death sentence for his actions, just one that was self-imposed. So ladies, the lesson to be learned here, wear your hair short. <laughs> right? Not for me. No, not for you. But wow. Well, I was I was close. You were pretty close. I did say positional asphyxiation. I'm pretty sure I did. I'll have to check the tape. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, roll that back. <laughs> I'll uh, check it later. Well, thanks, baby. That was good. Your opinion of the Emmy changed a little bit? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. If he had mentioned the guy in the car, I would have given it a second thought. But yeah. No. Yeah. So tell the me. evidence. The evidence was pretty straight up positional asphyxia, but the Emmy wasn't having it. He just knew there was more to this story. Is this or one shape. of your, where did you get that? Was that one of your books, your ME books? No. That is, so Worm News was the Huffington Post, and then my sources were the American Journal of Forensic Medicine and Pathology and Ligature Mark and Hanging, Gross and Histiopathological Examination with Evaluation and Review. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they weren't, they're not, they're not exactly easy reads, but hey, th- this is a good story, is it not? That's right. I do, I do add uh, names. Uh, they, I will admit that uh, the Journal of Forensic Medicine and Pathology and the Gross and Histiopathological Examinations don't come with names. I just name them Bonnie but and Jane Billy. and... Jane and John. <laughs> they just call him uh, the victim and her boyfriend, but oh. so I just give them names. The Vic. And this and this this week, Billy and Bonnie felt right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> My story for Ada, the creepy wife that kills her husbands, uh, came from the Oklahoman.com, Discovery.com, MyLifeOfCrime.wordpress.com. Hmm. And well, there you that. go. So. Before we wrap up, I do have a few. Oh, I, I do have one one oh, more thing that yeah. I was going to say is that I was going to name mine uh, for St- for oh, Detective Steve. Yeah, hair today, gone tomorrow. Ooh, <laughs> nice! But that might have given something away. So yeah, that's why I waited till the end. I waited till the end. Hi, you know. Steve. Hi, Steve. That was for you. Um, so we have some new cities. I know I'm not going to pronounce this right. Tremonton, Tremonton, Utah, Tremonton. Mm. I don't know. But hi. Just keep butchering it. Yeah. Uh, Oshawa, <laughs> Ontario. And Globe Derby Park in South Australia. Nice. And then we had three new countries from last week that are representing from yeah. Eastern Europe. Yeah. We got the Eastern Bloc going on. Uh, Albania. Hey, guys. Hey, Albania. Or however you say it there. Uh, they say, hello. Hello, hello. Oi, oi, oi. oi. <laughs> And uh, and Poland, yes, oi oi oi, and Russia, Moscow, yeah, yeah nice. How about that, you know what it is? It's probably one guy that's just doing a world tour, and he downloads in all these <laughs> different locations. Well, when I do my world tour, I'm definitely going to do Al- Albania, Moscow, Poland. Yeah. I mean, those are top notch. It's awesome. Yeah, well, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, is there anything else you want to say, Jimmy? Anything you got to chime in with? That's so gross. Oh my god! Why do you? How about you? I know. Don't it? Why do you? You made me look at him by by doing that. My mistake. Blackout shades. All right, I'll put it on the list. Okay. So, 
Until next time. Live big. Rest in peace. The, the worms, worms are waiting. waiting.